Hello and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast from AboutMeditation.com. My name is Morgan Dix and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and your health. So I am delighted to share this episode with you today. In fact, I recorded it over a year ago and I was on the road moving from Boston to Boulder and had just come off a eight day Mahamudra meditation retreat with the Vajrayana teacher, Daniel P. Brown. And that was a life-changing experience for me. It was the first longer meditation retreat that I'd gone on since the collapse of my own spiritual community back in 2013. And I tell the story of what happened in this retreat and why it was so powerful and I think you're going to love it. It was a fantastic experience, and uh, I'm looking forward to exposing you a little bit more to this work. Now, I will say that I have interviewed Daniel P. Brown on the podcast a couple episodes ago. I did a two-part interview with him. You can check that out. And then a year or two before that, I interviewed one of his students, John Churchill, who is also a wonderful teacher in his own right. And I interviewed him all about this tradition. So if you'd like to learn more after listening to this episode, I highly recommend you go back, listen to the interview with Dan Brown, and then the interview with John Churchill. Those are both excellent episodes, some of my favorites. And I hope you enjoy this retreat debrief. I am delighted to be recording this on the road. I'm traveling from Boston to Boulder with my family. Actually, it's just my wife, Atra, and I. And grandparents are going to meet us there with my daughter, Alia, as we move across the country, which is super exciting. And uh, I can tell you more about that later. But today, in this episode, I want to tell you about my experience going on retreat with Daniel P. Brown. Where to start? So after I interviewed Dan, I became interested in his teachings. I wanted to learn a little bit more. And then I saw that he was offering this retreat right down the road from me, 15 minutes, and it was a non-residential retreat, which meant I could come home at night, sleep at home, wake up, take my daughter's school, all the good things. Unlike a lot of meditation retreats, this just didn't, wasn't going to be super disruptive. So I got the go ahead from my wife and that was it. So I was excited. I haven't been on retreat with a spiritual teacher, I guess for about eight years. I mean, last summer I did a a 10 day Vipassana retreat, silent retreat, and, and that was great, but it was all recordings of Goenkaji and it's a little different when you're when you're doing a retreat and you're just listening to recordings and you don't have a live teacher this was working with a live teacher who's in the flesh and responding like in the here and now to what you're experiencing and how you're progressing on the retreat and the context for that being I guess a significant threshold for me is that I, as a lot of you know, I was in a spiritual community for 15 years with a teacher and had a lot of 
engaged retreat experience, both silent retreats on my own and uh, retreats with my teacher, Andrew Cohen. And eventually that community dissolved because of my my teacher's issues around power. And when that whole situation devolved and dissolved, my wife and I, my wife whom I met through that spiritual community, moved to Boston and we started a new life. But it was, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, it was a traumatic time because my, my teacher, my teaching, my sangha, my community, everything fell apart. And I had devoted my whole adult life to that context. I worked there. I lived in this uh, spiritual ashram, which if you don't know that word, it's kind of like the Hindu version of a monastery where you work and, and worship and practice. So we did a lot of practice day in and day out in a retreat environment in the Western Massachusetts in the Berkshires. Beautiful. So yeah, it was a really simple, beautiful life, but then it all fell apart. And so as you can imagine, I was in no rush to start working with another spiritual teacher. So it was a, it, was, it took a long time and a lot of therapy and different kind of healing modalities for me to get to the point where I was ready to work with another teacher. And, you know, even to naturally have that desire, I just didn't have that desire for many years. And after interviewing Dan, it just naturally felt like, hey, this sounds really interesting to me. I've always been interested in Tibetan Buddhism. That's how I got interested in meditation back when I was in college, like 25 years ago. It seemed like a great opportunity. And I had a lot of close friends who were students of Dan. And they really had benefited from his teaching, which is called pointing out the pointing out way or the pointing out the great way. And that's it sits within the context of Dzogchen, or the essence teachings in Tibetan Buddhism. Another word for it is Mahamudra. And so I went into the retreat just really open and interested and wanted to learn more and made a commitment to myself that I was going to pick up the microphone and speak every day and really engage with the teacher. And one thing out of the gates that I loved was that it was taught by Dan, but he had a female co-teacher, in this case, a woman named Linda, who, like Dan, was a trained psychotherapist as well as a, a deep Tibetan practitioner. And she really had her own weight and her own authority and her own ground in the teaching. So it was really inspiring to do this retreat in a context where Dan was co-leading it with Linda. And that created a, just an energetic balance. And that, that, again, is very different from the teaching context I had been in before with Andrew Cohen. He was not one to share the stage with anyone. He didn't. That was just not something he would do. And so that was one thing. Another thing was so much of the context of Tibetan Buddhism is compassion. It's about your humanity. It's about deepening and enriching and expanding your capacity for compassion. And the whole 
raison d'etre for progressing along that path is, yes, it's about becoming enlightened, but it's really about doing that for the sake of all living beings. And it's one thing to give lip service to that, but then it's another thing to see that really embodied and to see uh, teachers who are really vibrant expressions of that. And I, and I felt that really early on with these, with these teachers. They, they communicated a heart essence that touched me very deeply. So I was, I was moved. And that was a thread throughout the eight days of the retreat. I was palpably moved on a daily basis to tears. And I just felt my heart was opening more and more every day through the teachings, through the talks, through Dan's discourses, and then through different aspects of the practice. Early on, there was something that Dan introduced in in the whole setup for the training, which was called the retinue. So in Tibetan, in this lineage, this teaching, one thing you do is you invoke a retinue. It's kind of like your spiritual posse. You call forth those extraordinary beings who maybe have influenced you. For me, it was all my original spiritual influences. Some of the, the, the original figures that got me really fired up about meditation. Early on, I had read the Pali Canon, so Gautama Buddha and Ram Das and Yogananda and also Sri Ramakrishna and his disciple Vivekananda. And then in my own previous lineage, Ramana Maharshi, who was my teacher's teacher's teacher, so my teacher was Andrew Cohen, and his teacher was a man named Punjaji, or Papaji. And then Punja's teacher was Ramana Maharshi, who is a really, he's a huge figure in India, a saint, yeah, just a tremendous, towering figure of spiritual realization and import in a country that has a, such a huge and powerful tradition around these sacred mystical teachings. And so these were some of the, and also Jesus, because I was confirmed in the Christian church and used to pray as a little boy. And Jesus has always just been a part of my life. And especially Jesus in the context, I think less as a revolutionary and more as just a a figure of love and compassion and so one of the ways that Dan spoke about in invoking your retinue before your meditation practice was that the psychological epidemic in Western society is self-criticism. And so when you're invoking your retinue to support your practice, you invoke them in a context of non-judgmental acceptance and support, never judgmental, just just complete acceptance, complete support, complete loving acceptance. And you you invoke their presence as you begin your meditation practice and you visualize them sitting there. And uh, man, I can't tell you how powerful that was for me. I mean, sometimes just invoking the retinue would move me to tears. 
and I loved it. I, it was so, it was just so powerful. I don't know um, what more to say about it. And you would ask them to intervene on your behalf and to support you in these different ways. That was very impactful for me. And I loved it. There was the balance of energies in the teachings with male and female. This There was this sort of rich kind of supportive context that was very self-empowering that you would invoke and set up right at the beginning of your meditation practice. Then another thing that stood out to me that was different from the teaching that I came from was this this deep emphasis on shamatha or, or concentration or calm abiding of the mind. So we spent the first, at least half of the retreat on concentration training. And concentration training in this context means really, it means focusing the mind on a meditation object, in this case, the breath, and really going through the practice until you increase the amount of staying on the object so that your attention stays longer and longer on the object with less and less thought elaboration until eventually you have, say, 90% staying and your thought elaboration eventually just winds down. And that was very powerful because the way Mahamudra is set up, there's all these different ways that the instructions support you meticulously in very fine detail in how to modulate your concentration and how to how to kind of increase the intensity and reduce the intensity and when to do that and when not to do that and why it's so important and then you would you would work with these dynamics and you'd find the pliability of your attention and sometimes i would just marvel at how effective and precise these instructions were i mean they were really bang on so if if you were really relaxed and listening to the instructions cuz unlike other retreats where you're just in sitting in silence all of these meditations are guided and the teachers are providing sort of a narrative for your meditation and they're giving you these what are called pith instructions and you're just going with that your intention is to follow those instructions and so you go with it and sometimes that can be a little challenging but for the most part that that really worked for me and so i was able to really go with the instructions and follow the teacher where they were leading and yeah so then that that concentration practice really was forms the basis for the higher practices that come later but it, in my previous school with Andrew Cohen, it was much more like, say, Zen, where you weren't focusing on any object in particular. It was more just be still, relax, and let everything be just as it is. Just let let go. And if you're not, if you don't have a lot of experience with meditation, that those are incredibly difficult instructions to follow because you're basically being asked to just do nothing and be perfectly okay with that and sort of occupy this uh, meta space of, of being. And in that, just letting thoughts come, letting thoughts go, but basically you're having no relationship to any of it. Mastering that without really a clear map for how to do it, that's it's very challenging. And 
not to say that it it's not possible or also fruitful because for some people you know that that's a better way to learn but for most of us having a basis in concentration first where you're focusing on something and you're quieting your mind is more conducive and gives you a stronger basis for then moving into those deeper practices where you're really letting go into awareness itself. So for me, uh, I had tried other concentration practices before and never really did, didn't sort of land for me in the way that this did. And this really landed. I mean, landed beautifully. And I, I just found it uh, something I would really follow and really sink into. And and again, it, as I mentioned, this is these con- this concentration training. I'm, I'm not really going to go into the details of it. Um, yeah, really, really worked for me. It was very moving. There were a couple of things that happened during this retreat that I think made it very special for me. And not just for me, but just for everyone, I think, because everyone seemed really visibly moved by the retreat. So on the, I, don't, I think it was on the second or third night, something happened that was really dramatic. And the next day, we all came in. Most of us had no idea this had happened. And Dan said, something happened last night. And um, I want to ask the people that were involved if they could speak about it one of the retreatants raised their hand and said, okay, yeah, after the last session last night, we were on our way to the train station to go home and it was quiet and we came up to the the T and we noticed there was someone there lying on the tracks and they were just, they were quiet and it seemed kind of strange. And as we got closer, we realized that it was a woman and she had just been hit by the train. She'd been run over. And she was still in shock. And the these retreatants, they were the first ones on the scene. They called 911. And, and the first responders were there in like two minutes. But it was so intense, as you can imagine. It was completely traumatic. And, and they just were processing that there among all of us with Dan and, and Linda. And it had such a huge impact on all of us. I mean, just blew the space wide open. I mean, our hearts were all broken. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you, you, you're just going along and suddenly things like, you know, this is life. Things like this happen. And the karmic waves that shoot out from that in all directions, everyone who's so impacted and traumatized by that. And, you know, you have to, embrace that and it was a deep deep teaching in compassion when that happened and um somehow that created a certain space that just continued through the retreat in terms of just the open-hearted sense of compassion for human suffering for our own suffering but really the suffering of of humanity for people who are suffering in more trying context than we are to be sure and from that point on word i i probably cried like several times a day each day and i think some of that was just my own kind of my heart just opening in response to these teachings and this lineage because it's a it's part of an ancient lineage 
of Tibetan teachings and culture. And I could feel the wisdom and the power and the compassion and the care, just the extraordinary care of these sort of two millennia old teachings coming down and the preciousness of being exposed to them and the gratitude I felt for a, a container like this. And then the teachings, they just got deeper and deeper. And I felt myself sinking more deeply into myself, finding it the, the work with these instructions just facile. And I had these experiences like that were outside of the teachings, very moving. One morning I was driving to the teachings and suddenly I was had this vision where I was sitting there on my deathbed and I was sitting there and my daughter was there holding me or she was holding my hand and she was just saying, Daddy, it's okay. It's okay. And I don't know where that came from, but I can tell you that it, it moved me so deeply to just to be there with her kind of at the end of this life in that period of transition and to feel her love and her presence. I don't, you know, I, you can't really give words to a moment like that, but all I can say was that, again, it just it moved me and I just found myself sitting there weeping and kind of having my heart blown open again. And that hap things like that happened through this retreat. Uh, repeatedly and by by the end of the retreat I just felt like somehow the human heart had come back into my meditation practice and I was recently and just to contextualize what I mean by that I was speaking to one of my friends recently who had also been a student of Andrew Cohen's and we were talking about how with in that teaching our teacher Andrew could bring you to a place where you would encounter a a level of consciousness that was so pure and exquisite that you could you could be moved to tears just through the contact with that that purity and that wholesome goodness at the center of life and where you're just completely out of the way and you just have this very primary contact with that and that was beautiful but that's also very different than the teachers themselves being an expression of the humanity and the compassion that they're teaching. My previous teacher never talked about compassion. He never really talked about love for other people. He had gifts, but that was not it. And, uh, you know, in retrospect, you can see how, like, how ironic that is and how problematic, at least in my perspective now, that is. So, yeah, here in this teaching connecting to other human beings, connecting to the heart of the world and to other human beings and to their suffering. You know, there's nothing really more powerful in terms of opening up your own heart. And that's, that's what I felt these teachings did. They, they just moved me so deeply. Yeah. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. I, I'm giving you really, just giving you like brief snippets of my experience, but these were perhaps some of the most important moments for me. And I just wanted to also give you a sense of the color and the character and the flavor 
of the experience. And um, I don't actually want to say too much about the specific practices because it's, I don't really see it's my place to do that. But you can, you can learn more about Mahamudra uh, through the previous episodes that where I interviewed Dan Brown. There's another episode where I interviewed a Mahamudra teacher named Jonathan Churchill, John Churchill. He's also, he was a former student of Dan Brown's and was with Dan for 14 years. And also I interviewed him about this whole practice. And it's, you can learn more about Mahamudra through that podcast interview. And I encourage you to do that. For me, since leaving my former teacher, I w- you know, it's about eight years. It's been about eight years. And I had felt myself really yearning for structure again. For I, I felt a deep need to be re-engaged with an explicit path that I could progress down. And what these teachings do is they they make the path so clear. They have these they have these maps which make all these all the steps along the path explicit. You don't have to guess. It's all very, very clear. And in terms of a spiritual path, that's that's very empowering because it puts the progress along the path all in your hands. It's all about how much effort you want to make, how much, how committed you are, how much you really want to engage with it. And you know that depends on each one of us. And and whatever it is for you and for me, it's fine. That you know, it's it's great. I prefer that. You know, you don't have someone breathing down your neck, <laughs> trying to push you along the path. Really. These teachings are there to support you and your aspiration, and and it's really in your hands. And so that's what I was looking for. I really that's something that spoke to me and does speak to me, and I I, I appreciate that. So for all these reasons, this is something I will continue. I will continue to pursue, and I'm happy to if if you have questions about it or want to learn more beyond the resources I've shared in this show or in the podcast notes because I will link up some other some other resources. Feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to answer any of your questions. And great. That's all I got for today. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. That's a huge way to help us get exposed to more meditators. And great. So... That's all I got for the moment. Love you guys.